Hello, and welcome to Memorial Hall Library's Shelf Help Podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, a reference and cataloging librarian. And I'm Theo Contos, the systems librarian. We are talking today about technology in the library. We're going to talk about the makerspace a little bit and uh, a little bit about privacy and technology, what we have here. Hopefully, we'll have time to talk about what you can do on your own for privacy on the internet. And uh, you can find out more at our website, mhl.org. And uh, I think that's about all for now. So where do you want to start? Yeah, so I guess we mentioned the makerspace. Yep. That's kind of one of the newer things we're doing here at the library. Unfortunately, it's been closed since we had to scale everything back last right. March. And we're still not quite there yet with it. Um, but uh, it's a new space we put in the building um, a couple years ago that offers kind of technology that's more based around creating uh, rather than consuming. Right. So like 3D printer, yep. poster printer, vinyl cutter. I think those are the most popular. Yeah, yeah. We have a couple 3D printers. Yeah. And that's actually something we're still offering right now is pickup service. Right. So um, there's a couple resources online that people can use to design files yeah. and send them to us and then we can print them out. It's kind of one of the things we ran into when we first opened the space is that um, don't always realize how long it can take to print something. So right. a lot of times it ended up being a pickup service anyways. Right. In addition in addition to the fact that that space, even in normal times, is not in the public part of the building. Right. So and it, it was never a drop in a thing. Right. Um, yeah, and then the vinyl cutters are another thing yeah. we're still able to offer as a pickup service, the poster printer. Yeah. Um, some of the more interactive things we had in the space, like virtual reality and whatnot, um, not something we really can offer right now. No. Um, we're looking into ways to be able to bring some of these services back. Yeah. Can. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think we have a firm date yet for like in-person programming in general. But my guess would be that maybe around the same time that that restarts. Right. Some and of the then you start phase. looking at doing like computer classes and you know, right. computer sessions again, which is another thing. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to offer. But exactly. So it'll be exciting. Something to look forward to. Yeah. So in the meantime, I think. Our main topic is going to be sort of privacy as regards to as regards to computers. Yeah. Let's say very broadly, uh, since you're our tech librarian, systems librarian properly. Mm -hmm. So I think you were mentioning that something that people might want to know about is what we do here at the library, like on our public computers to you know to protect people's privacy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess from us, but also. Maybe more broadly. Yeah, so I mean, we, we really focus on privacy as a huge part of public library work right. and also the technology we're offering, as well as open access. So um, we yeah. provide a lot of public computers in the building that are able to be used um, in different areas of the building, the chums room, the teen room, um, the reference area. Um, we have software that runs on the computers. So somebody's done and logs out, it, it erases everything that was done in that session, um, even things like software that's been installed during that session. So it basically things that computer do blank slate that we had said earlier. Yeah, and that's a question that we definitely get a lot of reference. Yeah, yeah, it comes up a lot and that's usually um I mean obviously we always recommend logging on to accounts, things right. like that, but it's kind of an extra layer of security there if something's forgotten. Right, right. If you forgot to delete a document that you downloaded or right. you know, something like that. So And then of course we offer open Wi Fi access in the building and right. something um that we were able to continue offering even while we were closed. We, we had put yes. in some extra access points to be able to make that signal available a little further out the building, some of the outdoor seating we have. Yeah. So, yeah, even, something. even parts of the parking lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, probably not the furthest reaches, but. No, but definitely like the seating out on the patio yeah. that we can access it. So, that was nice that we were able to keep that running while we were yeah. closed. But we are back to offering most of our public computers. Yeah. So. So we're yeah. getting there. As well as in-person seating if you wanted to come in with, you know, your own laptop or whatever mm -hmm. here, which, uh, which is a new addition. Right, right. But, and, and of course, I mean, as far as, like, uh, the software we use to keep track of library checkouts, things like that, right. we don't retain any personal information or retain your checkout history. Sometimes people will ask if um, we can tell them what they read recently yeah. or checked out. I think they're usually disappointed that we don't retain that. Yeah, but, and, and I get that. And there are I ways do. you can... Um, uh, if you log into your account with MBLC, you can right. opt in to having it remember what you checked out. There right. obviously are privacy concerns with that, so it's, it is an opt-in. It won't start until then. You can always opt out and then exactly. erase that history. Yeah. But it's not something we 
Right. Right. And I mean, similarly, like, if you use your library card to log into one of our computers, right. we, I believe we don't keep a record of that after, I mean, like, it'll show you, it'll show us while you're logged in, but after you log out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't yeah. keep a record of that. Um, it's used, if you, if you print something to one of right. our public printers, it's used to identify the print job, but even then, Right, that, that's gone after it's... Right, after you print it, or even if, you know, if you forget to print it, or if you realize you sent something twice, mm -hmm. I think you can delete the job yourself, but the system will delete it after 24 hours. Yeah, it's like, and, um, and, you know, that's kind of, like, obviously sometimes it would be nice to be able to tell somebody what they read, or right. what, um, but uh, privacy is very important to us, so that's yeah. something we always have to kind of balance with some of those conveniences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of a decision everybody has to make when they're using a lot of these right. um, services online is kind of balancing the convenience they offer versus the privacy issues. Right. right. As for me, I still keep track of what I read the old-fashioned way. I have a series of little notebooks and, a, you know, pencil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, yeah. It, you know, it's not searchable easily, but yeah, it does get the job done. Yep. You know, as long as I can sort of remember vaguely, like, what year did I read this in? Let's, right. let's go back and... <laughs> keeping track that way since I was like 13 so mm -hmm. you know it's not as convenient as looking through a searchable list like on the computer but right. it is very secure <laughs> yeah and I mean there, there are certainly ways you could do that on a computer even. yeah I mean there are right. whole social media networks that come out of keeping track of books you read and reviewing them yes. so if that's something you're comfortable with you always right. can can do that it's just yeah, right. something we'd like people to make that decision on their own exactly for them right we're not going to opt people in Right. Um, for sure. But so I guess another question that I think a lot of people might wonder is like, what is safe to do on public computers slash library computers? Likewise, public Wi-Fi. And like, would I mean? I feel like there really aren't any public computers other than library computers. You know, internet cafes were maybe a thing here once, but not so much anymore. Yeah, I mean it's. It's a tough question because, yeah. again, it's kind of balancing the access versus, I right. mean, typically, it, it would, it's unrecommended typically to do things like accessing online banking, yeah. even accessing your email in a browser, especially on public Wi-Fi. So right. it's, it's tough. Um, I, I know we, we do everything we can to, to protect that, especially on our wired public computers. Right. So, um, right, because those are not running on the public Wi-Fi. Right. And I mean, there's always little things, too. I, I mean, besides the issues with public Wi-Fi in general, right. especially places like in hotels and, and cotton shops and things like that. Yeah. There's other concerns just as simple as making sure somebody's not looking over your shoulder while you're putting in your password. Right. Writing down passwords and forgetting them. Right. So there's, it's, it's, there's always going to be extra concerns when you're not at home. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean... Without sort of going into the detailed specs of like, how could I nefariously get other people's information while I'm here? Like, for people who are sitting there and wondering, well, how, like, why? Why is this a security concern? In sort of the vaguest possible terms, like, how, you know, if I'm on one of our library computers, I'm on a public computer, or, you know, I'm on my phone, but I'm on public Wi-Fi, and I'm, you know, I log into my banking, or I put my card, you know, my credit card in to make a purchase. Mm -hmm. Why is that dangerous? Or like, you know, how, like, how could someone who's not on that computer access that information? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always concerns when you're on an open yeah. network with other people and you don't know who those people are. Um, a lot of it is also related to to how secure the organization that's right. making the resources available are. So, especially like in the early days of internet cafes and some of the computers there, yeah. I'm not sure that that was as kept in mind as it is now, as right. we do. But um, it's, it's something to keep aware of. If you don't know the other people that are on the network, then right. there's always and so some if, level of risk there. If someone, you know, if someone with nefarious intent was on the same network, they could somehow use use the fact that they were on the same network to glean your information. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a concern. And then right. there's there's also the, the concern especially if you're using less than secure websites to bring right. your information in. I mean, that can be as much of an issue just making sure that you're visiting secure websites, visiting the, the website you think you're visiting. Right, right. I mean, I think most most modern internet browsers, you know, whether you're using Chrome, Firefox, Edge, Safari, will 
I think they all have a pop-up now, right, that says, like, if you're not on a secure website, but but just because a website is secure, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, like you're saying, that it's the website you thought it was, sure. or, like, you know, that it hasn't been breached in some way. That secure is just, like, that's something that's coded into the website, or not, correct? But it doesn't actually mean... Yeah, yeah, well, sometimes it's, um, depending on, like, the, whether it's built in the browser and there's mm-hmm. apps and extensions and antivirus right. software that does things like that, too. Sometimes it's it's a combination of, um, one one thing that's a good idea anytime you're visiting, um, and it's most websites now, is that yeah. it's an HTTPS, right. like, HTTP, that, um, that says that they've purchased a security certificate and they should be who they say they are. If you've ever right. gotten that warning when you go on a site, that's... That's terrifying. Just, yeah, sometimes that just means their certificate expired, but you should right. be concerned if you see that and maybe wait and check back another day right. and see if it's been resolved. Definitely. Um, yeah, but uh, and then some of those um, those extensions and features mm-hmm. are kind of working off algorithms and also crowdsourced data. So yeah. some of them are if you're marking things then it's learning through that. Okay. So it's not it's not foolproof, but it's right. great that some of this stuff is starting to be easier to use. I mean, yeah. technology like that has existed for a long time, but used to require more technology right. to do some of these uh, things like password managers yeah. and things like checking websites are authentic, even setting up antivirus software. Right. Some of that stuff is just so much easier than it used to be. I mean, that's great. And even built into the operating system yeah. browsers. Yeah. So, I guess, what... <laughs> What to do about passwords? I I have resisted password managers. I, I don't use one, although I feel like that would probably be the way to go. I've come up with like my own personal system for how to generate what I feel are reasonably secure passwords. Yeah. And since I use the same system for everything, you know, I don't have to remember each password as long as I know the pattern that it follows. Sure. You know, then I, I know what the password is, as long as I don't forget that pattern. But, you know... Maybe maybe password managers would be a better way, or just like what are you know what are some good password managers that are out there, and like sort of how does that work? Yeah, password managers are great because they don't they, they kind of keep you following good practices with right. your password. So kind of I'm sure you've heard it over and over. The most important thing is to not use the same password for every site, right? Um, because if somebody gets one of those, the first thing they're going to try is try to use that same password and email somewhere else. Right. Um, especially not using the same password as you use for something like an email account because if somebody gets into your email right. account, they're going to see notifications from other websites that you use and then if you're using the same password, that's, right. that's kind of a, a bad snowball effect yeah. there. So using different passwords for everything um, is one of the most important things. And it's tough to remember that. So password right. managers help you with that. Yeah. Um, a lot of password managers now have features built in that... Um, and check like a, a database to see mm-hmm. if your email address associated with that site has been exposed. Oh, that's cool. Dark web or yeah. exposed just in, in a, a well-known hack. Sometimes right. it'll say um, websites that have recently had a hack, mm-hmm. and it'll help reset your passwords. So just it's a lot of things yeah. you can do on your own, but it just it makes it a lot more convenient, right. easier to follow these rules because yeah. the harder they get, the more you kind of slide back. Right. Um, so yeah, using different strong passwords. Yeah. Um, some of the ones that I mean, there's some that are built into most operating mm-hmm. systems now. Um, popular one is just Apple Keychain, which is yeah, I've I've heard of that. I've never used it. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's free. Um, the downside to it is it only works in Apple operating systems. Which, right. So if you have an iPhone, you can use it. It'll pop up on a Mac. And, yeah. Um, if you uh, if you don't um, have all their Apple devices, you can use your phone to check passwords. But, um, right. There's other apps out there. LastPass is a popular one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, one Password mm-hmm. is another popular one. Um, they all work more or less the same way, where you come up with one big, very strong password. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have some kind of two-op, two, two-factor authentication yeah. component to it too. So even if somebody didn't get that password, they need something else. Um, right. And then, your phone. Yeah. And then that's all they. That's all you have to remember, and right. the, the password managers are all capable of generating these long passwords with random characters, and right. numbers, and letters that nobody would ever guess. And you're not right. going to remember yourself. No. So, so I guess on that note, that's kind of something that's put me off in password manager because I'm like, well, where do I, where should I note down this crazy password? 
that I will need to, you know, to access anything else. Sure. Or like maybe that's maybe that's less of a concern because I would like stay logged in, but yeah, and a lot of them for security reasons don't stay logged in indefinitely. Right. So I, I know with ones that I've used, mm -hmm. some usually can set kind of a period of time that it will stay open when you're on your device. Anytime your device reboots, it's going to require that password again. Right. Um, but uh, and the best thing is to just come up with something long yeah. and complex, use multiple characters, but something that you can remember. And some people talk right. about using passphrases rather mm. than passwords, yeah. where you're using a collection of words that maybe mean something right. to you, um, but don't mean anything and you're actually putting them together. Right. Um, capitalizing things, even adding punctuation and yeah. things like that can make it harder. To, right. But, um, and that's the nice thing. Um, having a two-factor authentication is yes. that worst-case scenario somebody does get your password, but you have a way to block that. Right. Um, a lot of the popular password managers uh, give you a recovery key. Um, mm -hmm. So you always need two things to access. Okay. Back. So if it's the first time you're ever authorizing mm -hmm. a browser or a device to use that, um, your password yep. manager account, you'll need your password and your device. Right. Or your password and your recovery. Key. So yeah. if you forget your password and you have your recovery key, which they often recommend printing out and putting it on a safe or something like yeah. that, somewhere secure. Yeah. Um, since again, it doesn't do anything on its own, right. but um, it, it gives you a way to get into your account. Because, yes. Um, I know most of the ones on one password last pass. If, if you forget your password, you don't have your recovery key. That's kind of it. Right. I mean, you can start recreating all that work again, but some accounts are harder to get in than others. Yeah. Right, because then you would sort of have to go through and individually go to like every website and say, I forgot my password. Right, um, and that's that's where um, two-factor authentication is kind of the other thing that's yes. just really good to use as much as you can. Um, one of the most common ways it's used is to get a, you've probably seen them get a text message, like usually like mm -hmm. a six-digit number. Yeah. Um, some use offer emails, two-factor authentication. Um, it's better than nothing, but it can be it's right. a little easier to get somebody's email account than it is to, to yeah, get their phone messages. with yeah, and to yeah. get their phone with presumably will have a pin logging in. Right. Um, right. They but they also make um there's apps called authenticator apps that um, a lot of them are free. Yeah. Um, Authy is a popular one, A U C H Y. Um there's a Google Authenticator and Microsoft Authenticator. Yeah. And what that does is you basically scan the QR code on these websites. And then once it logged in with your account in the app, um, it can generate those six digits for you. So they're usually likely to open it up and see your account and see the six digit mm -hmm. numbers and usually they refresh every 30 seconds. So you're not getting all those text messages. It's a little more secure too. Right. That there. Okay, so instead of instead of having the website send like a six digit number to your text messages, it would send it to the option. Yeah, it's a constantly kind of generating number. You'll, usually you'll see the six digits in off and then you'll see off the countdown. Mm -hmm. So it's getting down towards zero. It's going to reset that right. number. It's no longer going to work. You see there's a little bit built into things like, like sites like Facebook now. Mm -hmm. um, if you log into a browser with Facebook, yeah. you can never like point out the app on your phone and have to do a code generator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're seeing this used more. Right. Which is good. I mean, it's another thing keeps things very secure, but makes it easier for you. Right. It's um, harder things to get harder things. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have that problem at the reference desk where people will come in, they'll want to log into their email here. And Google, you know, if it's a Gmail, Google, I think, defaults to two-factor authentication, right? Don't they yeah. require it? Some, some do require it. Right. So it's, and if you don't have your phone with you or you don't have a cell phone, then right. you're kind of out of luck. Like, there's really nothing we can do to get you in without. Like, right, and it's tough, and it's kind right. of that balance between. Um, yeah, you're seeing that a lot more um, with email services. Right. And banking right. If you're an account with somebody with a Right. Yeah. yeah. You used to see more of like the security questions with kind of that two factor. Yeah. Those, I mean. Huh? Sometimes those are worse than, than not having them. Yeah. I mean, the, the classic ones you'd see, especially mothers' maiden name, right. um, your oldest sibling's name, the street you live on. Right. All of these are fairly easy to get about somebody. And then, kind of, as they got more obscure, like 
more open-ended questions. Right. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite band? People would start coming up with things that they couldn't remember, and they were locked out of the weekend. Exactly. So the yeah, the method of generating the random authentication is right. Yeah, definitely. The mother's maiden name one always really, always really seemed me because my mother never changed. You know, right. she had, it's just her name. I'm like, this is not secure even a little bit. Right. So, so, uh, yeah, I know a lot of those are just outdated in general. And all yeah. Using what they're asking, but right. it's also yeah. secure. Right. Never mind. Yeah. And then, you know, you're like, well, gee, I know, like, I know that I grew up on Hall Street, but, like, did I type that in as ST period or did I write out screen? Like, right. gee, I don't know. You know, like, I know the thing that just broke the wall. I know the answer, but, uh, right. you know, I don't, I don't know how I wrote it in. It's well, definitely a problem I didn't have with those. Yeah, and I, I guess the best use of those is when, um, it, again, it's treated like where you always need to do things like you've forgotten your password and right. I use security questions. It'll email you your password to reset mm. rather than just doing it automatically. Right. One thing. Right. So, yeah. And then there's um, there are physical devices. So, Oh, that's interesting. So if you say you don't have a cell phone, or you have a cell phone but you don't have a text messaging plan, or it's not not a smartphone, so you can't. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, there um, a lot of the early ones just Mm kind of look like a USB um, thumb drive. Yeah, they just would plug right into the computer. Yeah, kind of now that a lot of people are using smartphones and tablets or even just computers. You'll see ones now that have smaller USB C ports yeah. or even have an NFC built in, which is the technology we use for things like Apple Pay. And okay. So right. you can just tap the email right. with your phone. Well, that's cool. So that's another option. Yeah. Um, and they're typically expensive, $20, $30. Yeah. So you don't have to Yeah, then you might be kind of. I mean, then I assume you're just kind of Yeah, I think things like that were more popular. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I assume you could pick something up, you know, something like that up at like Staples or Best Buy. Yeah, I actually don't know if I've seen them. Best Buy, maybe. Yeah, um, I've seen them on on like Amazon or directly from some of the companies that make right popular ones. UBP, KBY, and they they make a variety of different um, standards. They stuff the really good on the second. Yeah. That's cool. So there's a lot of options now. And yeah. Of course, some of these um, biometric authentication. Right. Especially with phones are probably the people Right. Exactly. So using your fingerprint or using like facial recognition. Yeah. Um, You're seeing that a little bit more. I mean, fingerprint readers have been around on talks for a while, but I think they've kind of been made more popular mm-hmm. with smartphones. Right. But, um, you're starting to see facial recognition. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, are there any security concerns with using that? Like, I mean, I, you know, my phone is set up to recognize my fingerprints. And I always wonder, like, have I just given Apple, like, my fingerprints? Can they yeah. be storing this somewhere? Like, can someone else, you know, if Apple, if Apple gets hacked, like, now does that hacker have information on my fingerprints that they can somehow use against me or, like, you know, use to, my phone, or you know, unlock. I don't. Know. Sure. No, they, they shouldn't. Um, I I can't speak for kind of every company yeah. out there, but um, typically stuff like biometric authentication yeah. is done on device only. So right. um, that's why if you um, use an iCloud account, you can use a lot of your Apple information. Apple's like change phone to control. It's right. not going to play with your pixel camera. Okay. It doesn't store that in the cloud. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. also that's yeah. comforting. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh-huh. That's very good. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a limitation of it as a two-factor authentication. You won't see a lot of websites using that because right. then you're, it's no longer on the device. Right. Um, it's nice as a kind of an extra layer layer of security. Um, a lot of apps on smartphones now will let you use that as authentication. Yeah. Into the app. Yeah, I love that. Detail. Yeah. So, like, if you're, I mean, I think most people use smartphones probably keep their social media accounts and they're right. locked in all the time. But if you have that extra. If somebody can get on the phone, they right. still 
you leave it unlocked or something right. like that, it still won't be your pin or your face scan. So that's um, that's more what more useful for yeah. money services. But typically, for it to be secure, I'm not right. using your privacy issues. Yeah, keeping it all in place. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad to know that. Yeah. Apple doesn't have like a giant database of fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and using a pin number is fun too. Right. Um, preferably not. Not your birthday. Yeah, or um, not, you know, one 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 one. Right. Um and I think a few years ago they forced um meeting in the fourteen mm. and that was that yeah. was a good one. But yeah. um, especially now that a lot of people can use the fingerprint interface right. to back up. I think a lot of people in the last year especially learning that so kind of realized that maybe having just the face scan is not the best. Um, right. they kind of moved away from the fingerprint right. face scan before. Yeah. Um so well, a lot of people whoops. were using the pins again. But yeah, not, yeah, it's definitely not a good idea for security. Right, there's so much on there. Exactly, right. If you have your banking on there, or, you know, also your social media, your email. Like, if you don't have any sort of password protection on your phone, and you know, violent it's something that if someone gets your phone, they can potentially access all your accounts, and now you're not just replacing your phone. You know, you're yeah. resetting everything, and potentially like. Canceling credit cards, canceling bank cards. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think a lot of banking accounts don't stay logged in all the time for that reason, but they're right. still often put on their accounts and things like mm-hmm. that. Right. So, um, right. It's, it's not, um, and I know um, a lot of Apple and Google and Samsung, now that the NFC payments mm-hmm. are popular, Apple Bank and things like that, yeah. a lot of them require some kind of those features mm-hmm. yeah. otherwise you just be right that makes sense yeah I know when I uh, I use what is that NFC what does that stand for near field communication okay <laughs> I, I mean that's, that's probably yeah. I believe it yeah and that technology yeah. has been around for a while kind of yeah I didn't, I didn't even know what that was called I just think of it as the sort of like tap to pay which I really only use when charging my car um Seems mm-hmm. like the easiest way to set it up, but like if my thumb isn't on my phone, just so uh, right, doesn't, yeah, which is nice because again, although like yeah, it's nice that if someone steals my phone, they can't go and charge their car with it. Sure, because yeah. they don't have unless they cut off my finger. In which case, I'm really you know I have other priorities at that point in time. Right. Like, <laughs> no, you know. Yeah, I know. Like the NFC and. When you first started seeing that come out, I, I remember um, some of the early uh, smartphones. They had things where you could buy like a bag that you could stick to places yeah. and kind of do basic features, which now are built into a lot of phones, like turning lights right. on and things like that. Oh, that's so, cool. um, a lot of kind of gimmick yeah. features for it. And then been made more popular. Right. Like, um, services, right. Or, I know there's some smart features that you can tap your phone against the transfer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't gotten into that a lot of that either. But I mean, presumably, hopefully, if it's something that's being widely used, that's pretty secure. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, the nice thing about I don't know all the specifics of it, right? Um, things like Apple Pay. Yeah. Typically generating um, card numbers, mm-hmm. so you're not actually putting your card number over. So. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, there's an argument, I guess, that it's more secure sometimes, mm-hmm. but you are. It's also Right. Um, okay. A lot of smartphones now, especially smartphone, mm-hmm. smartphone brands, yeah. have uh, features where you can, if you do lose your phone, you can immediately lock it, mm-hmm. wipe it, drag it, things like that. Yeah. So I know Apple Pay, you can pull those cards out of the oh, that's from a browser. Yeah. That second. Yeah. You can also use your wipe the phone. And yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Wipe it remotely since obviously you yeah. lost it. You know, yeah. And I mean, obviously. Features like that, yeah, used in a bad way too. Right, always kind of balance between. Right, like you were saying earlier, between privacy and convenience, right, uh, or you know, accessibility and privacy. Right, uh, but but it's nice, you know, it's nice to have those options, and then everyone can kind of make that choice. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, make that choice with some information behind it. But, right, but you know, I think it, I think it can seem sort of overwhelming to navigate. 
I feel like there aren't a whole lot of like books out about it. I feel like there yeah, are some geared like usually geared for seniors, but I also feel like they're usually specific to like you know one piece of text. Right. Even there, like we try to keep a, a fairly section guys on Windows, yeah, iPhones, Facebook, like right. this stuff changes so frequently. Yeah. Even sometimes in like yearly cycle of these books being published, that right. it's really hard to keep up to date with yeah. it. And keep, I mean, sometimes at, at worst it's not a day. I mean, at best it's not a day. At, at worst it's actually an entry. Right. Right. So I guess you know, given that it's pretty much impossible for pretty me to keep up with it. Like, are there any websites or other resources that you would recommend for people who, you know, who want to learn more about, like, password managers or, like, keeping, you know, keeping things secure, keeping backdrop authentication, whatever, anything, you know, since, yeah. since, you know, a lot of people, I think, are aware that you can't trust everything that's on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially as far as, like, a more up-to-date mm-hmm. resource compared to some of the physical computer books. Right. We have O'Reilly. Yeah. A lot of the, the especially things like voting books and whatnot, yeah. O'Reilly published anything. Right. Yeah. So you're going to get the most up to stuff yeah. there. We have Linda available. We yeah. have LinkedIn Learnings. Right. It's called now. Um, that has a lot of really great resources yeah. on there. And a lot of this stuff's going to be more up to Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I guess in my mind, the O'Reilly resources are, are more geared at people who already have some level of. Yeah, but I would think LinkedIn Learning should have a good array of like beginner options. They do, yeah. Um, they, they really do. Have yeah. Stuff on there. So it's nice that we have to do it too. Yeah. It's kind of a nice. Um, O'Reilly has some really great resources, but you're right that some of them kind of step up. Right. Right. Started some of that stuff too. Right. I feel like, yeah, O'Reilly really assumes that you have a sort of base knowledge. Right. Or those resources versus LinkedIn Learning, which I feel like these. I mean, I, they do have definitely more advanced stuff. I feel like they also have kind of stuff that's similar to the, like, full down those books. Yeah, I mean, they have everything. Right. Like, they're even, they're a great resource for things like our major space. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's there's a lot of um, good tech websites out there. Wired. Yeah. CNET. A lot of them. Yeah. Often yearly, like, the best password managers. Yeah. Yeah, so if you ran like an online search for, you know, wired password manager, CNET password mm-hmm. manager, reverse password manager, then mm-hmm. hopefully you would find something, you know, that you would then feel like is maybe more reliable than just, you know, some random person's blog or like right. some sort of unknown website that like Sure, yeah. Or, you know. Yeah, and I mean there's you'll probably see the same four or five password managers over the running in here. Yeah. There were a whole bunch of them kind of popular ones. Um, the one downside is a lot of them do have costs involved. Um, yeah. Some of them offer free versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think LastPass still does. Yeah. Um, usually there's limitations with the free versions as far as being able to Right. Um, there's also password management that are completely on device mm-hmm. and you don't have any kind of component. That, I mean, that obviously that's more secure. Right. So again, it's that Right. It's the great thing about password management is kind of keeping you in the right things because it makes it easy for you. And the harder you start making it for yourself again. Right. So, um, again, like the word the worst thing is just using the same bad password for every site. Right. Right. Don't use password with your password. And certainly don't use that for all the sites that you have password. Yeah. I don't think most of them will even let you do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, no, they put out these lists like every year. Um, like I've seen them where yeah. it places like the top 100 worst passwords or the most um, hacked passwords. Right. And it's always passwords. Right. Um, a lot of websites are starting to kind of make more rules to exactly. avoid people from doing that. But right. right. You have to have a capital letter, you have to have a special character. You have to have a number. Right. I feel like I feel like most websites now have those. You know, at least those three. Mm-hmm. Not that that stops you from doing, you know, capital P A S S W zero R D like period. But, right. Or you know, okay, maybe needs the letter of the law, but 
also wouldn't recommend. Right. When you're even starting to see some websites that don't use taxes at all. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, I, I've seen it sometimes with um, online stores and things like yeah. that. We call them magic links mm-hmm. where when you go to log in with your email address, it sends a link to your email. Oh, that's for like two minutes to get yeah. your email. There's no actual password associated with it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and you're starting to see things like that. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, passwords, mm-hmm. there's always going to be issues with them. Right. They're, so. Right. And I mean, you know, it's not a subject that anyone likes to think about, but like nowadays when someone dies, if the survivors don't have all those passwords, it can be really difficult, if not impossible, to close those accounts now. Sure. And that's that's something that people are starting to deal with too. I know like Google will let you set up something so yeah. your account's not locked into for say mm-hmm. three months or the morning. Yeah. If it's not logged into for another three months, it'll send your password information to someone you've chosen. Right. And then after X amount of time you erase your whole yeah. account. So there's yeah. things like that. And then Facebook at the beginning. Right. So they're they're kind of starting to find ways to deal with that as it comes mm-hmm. up. But right. I mean and I suppose, you know, I'm sure there are some people who would rather keep those accounts as memorial or just, you know, sure. for whatever reason, or just, you know, like, well, why bother, why bother to delete it? Right. Um, but I do think there could be a security concern at a certain point, you know, if that, if that account is out there, even if it's not active, someone mm-hmm. could potentially hack it and use it for, you know, for whatever they want it to. Right. Which may be benign or it may not be. And I mean, even, um, in, kind of, Rag on um, writing down your passwords too, but mm-hmm. it, it's probably still better than using the same bad password. Though. Yeah, you know, some, like if you really can't pick on the password manager and mm-hmm. decide you're just not that concerned about, especially with some of the, the websites like not your like not your right your magazines and stickers. Yeah, some, sometimes what people will do is they will write them down, but they they won't write the account. Associated with, and right. they also, um, I've seen people who like, like uh, hashtag out four or five characters in the middle of the password. But yeah. It's some combination of numbers or letters right. or characters that remember that piece. Right. So it's not there. Um, right. And two factor authentication is definitely Yeah. So then somebody does come up with your password, they right. still can't get it. And often you'll get an email or text message saying that two factor authentication. Right. If you ever get one of those trying to log in, that's a good Right. Right, because probably someone else has gotten your password. Right. So. And if you didn't use that password anywhere else, you would want to go and change it all those places and this time different. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing that's um some of the password managers actually I think most of them yeah. great features that they'll they'll tell you if you're using the same password right in places so it's usually different because you can yeah. It'll tell you and it'll help you change them. Yeah. It'll do the same thing if one pops up and you want to get it online. You can see that. Right. Yeah. And then I mean, the other big thing we talk to people about here when it's, it's true whether you're using a public computer, mm-hmm. phone, using even your own home, there's a lot of attacks based on phishing and social engineering where right. you're getting an email that says Google and you can set it's not actually from Google. Right. You click on the link, you go to a website, website, put your password, and you get your password. So, um, and that's that's really picked up. I feel like in the last couple of years, some questions you've got. Definitely. It, sometimes it's very obvious and mis- things are misspelled, dates are wrong. Right. But, the um, logo looks vastly different. Or it's very low resolution. Right. But they're getting better. Definitely. It's always a good idea to, to look at the email address something's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not if something doesn't look about it, it's good to, to look into it further. But even if you get unless you're absolutely expecting one of your passwords that email is like expecting something that's asking you to log in. Right. It's always a better idea to just go directly to the website yourself. Yeah. And see what it's rather than calling Definitely. Yeah. I mean, right, because why would you know, unless you unless you had requested a password reset, right? Why would they? They were these companies are not going to email you out to say you know never you have to reset your password. And nobody's going to ever email you password. Right. That's 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 always 
Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of along the same lines. It's like it's always recommended to call something saying in front of the bank or credit card. Right. Asking for your bank number, social security, right. even your name and address. Right. Just hang up and call the number directly on the back of your card. It's exactly. very simple. You just go directly. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Over last summer, I, I found someone's credit card when I was out walking. And I was like, well, you know, I was going to be make, I was making a loop. So I was like, if it's still here when I get back, I guess I'll like pick it up and I'll call the number on the back to right. report it missing so that, you know, someone else doesn't pick it up and go on a shopping spree. Like, I called the number and I could not, it was, of course, you know, a robot on it. Right. And I could not get anywhere without entering the card number. And I'm like, well, this feels wrong. So I yeah. finally, you know, I looked online, like, is there any way to report a lost credit card for, like, you know, this company? And there didn't seem to be, so finally I just cut up the card and threw it in the trash. And I was like, well, eventually the person is going to realize their card is missing, and they're going to have to call the company. Yeah, and I mean, that's hopefully when they realize it's gone, they immediately Right. Yeah. But that is unfortunate. Yeah. It's very hard to get a real person now. You really want some Right, their time so. Right, but the point is, you have to call them. They're not going to call. Them. Right, and if yeah, they are calling you, it's just, <laughs> I mean, even even in situations where you get a call or a message that there was a or there was right. a charge they weren't sure about. Right. Still, I mean, even if it seems legitimate, it's actually just call them. Right. Or or log into right. Right. Exactly. You know, if you have that bookmark on your computer, go to that yeah. bookmark and access it from there. It, um, it doesn't hurt to take that extra team. Right. And it's, it, I mean, again, it's the same thing. Another common thing is to get something from the text manager. You're not expecting it, then it's probably good. Right. And if it's a friend or family member of the same, then it's a message. Right. They sent that to you before. And a lot of these kind of malicious email. Stuff. Once somebody opens it and their account gets hacked and their right. contacts it, it sends everybody out. So yeah. that's kind of how it's spread. Um, exactly. And hopefully you're, you're running good with people in the software. Yeah. And that will catch things like that, but it, it doesn't always. Right. And I mean, email spam provision and stuff like that is good. It is, although, you know, I've noticed in the last, I don't know, let's say six months or so that. That a lot more spam emails have been escaping the spam folder. I feel like for years I hadn't seen a spam email, but the spam folder was really good and they all just mm-hmm. went right there. And, um, you know, I, I use the, my phone's like mail program when I look at it on my phone. And I feel like things sometimes show up in that that if I actually log into the website, I don't see, which Surprise me, but I feel like I've right. definitely been seeing more spam lately. So it is always good if you're, you know, if you're in doubt, no one's going to judge you for like checking in. Hey, did you really send me these photos before I open them? Right. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, I think most people, if, right. if, they're, if they have the tech know how to send you the photos, they're going to know that it's a good idea to check. Right. Exactly. Uh, and hopefully, they would have told you it's something that it's going to But yeah, yeah I do think that, especially since you saw the pandemic, that scammers are Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Email, they can phone call, fishing. Yeah. And a lot of cell phone uh, service providers are building They'll set up like, a scam on their own phone right. where they're trying to identify something. A lot of that's based on crowd services. Too. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. I know. I think my phone, my phone has that feature. Oh, it doesn't have any like, potential scan, it just it will silence. Calls, sure. but you know, and then after that, all done voicemail, it would be a little pop up like, be silenced to call for them. And then you'll see that it was about your vehicle's expense one or two years Almost like always. Yeah. Almost always. Yeah, I mean, every every phone and kind of cell phone provider has, has yeah. some variation of that, but it's nice to see there are tools like that now. Um, usually, for voicemail, that's probably good. Yeah, Not right. Calling the number back. Exactly. A lot of smartphones you can kind of screen the voice and kind of right. screen the remotely. Yeah. Looking for. I haven't. 
I haven't actually listened to a voicemail in a long time because the transcript is usually good enough that I can just look at the transcript. Right. And if I see the words not a warranty, right, that, delete. that's that's kind of delete it, block the number, move on with my day. I, I don't know. I'm sure somebody has, but I don't know if anybody's ever been called about an extended warranty. Yeah, it's actually, they've actually used the extended warranty. So that's yeah, I right. I I always wonder like. Does this ever work? Like, it must. It must. Yeah. Like, wouldn't keep doing it, but like, yeah, yeah, and, and that one sort of baffles me. I mean, I, I definitely have seen the ones too where somebody called and said they're from Microsoft and you have a virus on your computer. Right. You can help you call. Right. Microsoft would never be the one. No. No. Or any variation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the other one that I see is like, um, that I get sometimes is like, oh, you know, we couldn't put your purchase through, like, right. call us back so that you can confirm, or like, so that you can verify, and like, well, I haven't made any purchases online recently. Sure. And like, yeah, if I, even if I have, like, they're not going to call me. No, like, it's, I mean, you, you get that on computers too. Yeah. You know, like, that they can swap us, that they require some computer paid seventy nine ninety five or call Again, it's not right. Yeah. Right, that's not how it works. It's if, you just, have, yeah. if you have a virus, like no one's going to tell you about that. Except hopefully your antivirus software. Yeah, I mean hopefully like, you have up to right. Software that like that. It's always a good idea to keep backups yeah. of your computers. You can wipe it in the store. Right. Just you know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard a lot about the cryptocurrency. Right um, attacks, they lock your computer, um, and that's uh, that's becoming I think more popular. So more anonymous ways to pay people. Right, um, but that's one situation. It's good to have backups that are completely Yeah, yeah. So like I know, you know, I know Apple has automatic backups that you can do. I I would assume Windows does also. Yeah, I, there's um. Windows does, they yeah. have built into Windows. Um, there's also um, programs out there that you can make a backup on a separate hard drive, which is often a good idea. Yeah. I mean, as more things are kind of moving to the cloud, more less is actually stored on the computer. Right. So, I mean, a lot of people may still have all their photos directly on the computer's hard drive. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have to be in the cloud or something. Right. Uh, Apple Photos. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, right. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with phones and stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, right. It's not. It's not based on. Yeah, which I mean, which is a good, and, but um, right. But it does help a little bit with computers get into the situation. That which is again so important. Right. Yeah. Really, all comes down to good passwords. Right. Um, you know, and like. It is a hassle to change, you know, all your passwords are bad right now, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a hassle to change them all, but, you know, you get a password manager, and if you do that once, then it's going to be a lot less of a hassle than if you get hacked, and now, not only are you changing passwords, but you might also have to be, you know, like we said, canceling credit cards, dealing with identity theft, better just change the password once to, you know, either using a password manager or some other. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and a lot of the popular password managers now have features that help you change your password oh, like every year, every yeah. years, which is another, I mean, it's, it's an unrealistic ask for people to have 30 passwords that they memorize themselves that are all right. different, all different complex rules. Right. Um, and then and you change it every year on top of it. So, again, these password managers can help with things like that. And some of them, I know, one password is one that offers a family plan. So, oh, that's cool. so families where they want to have their own passwords but have some that it would be good to share, whether it's just you know, finances or, or other things that you want to mm-hmm. have access to, you can have like that. You set up lockers of one passwords. So you mm-hmm. can passwords, one password. Yeah. So that's cool. A family locker that other yeah. people in your family plan have access to. Yeah. You can link that. Right. So, um, there are a lot of, you get some of the benefits of writing down your password and being able to share that. Right. Having your password there. Um, 
Right. Right. Which I mean, the danger of that would be that you know someone somehow gets a hold of that physical document. Right. Right. You're, you know, you're out of law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's been a pretty comprehensive, at least a comprehensive beginner look, let's say, into yeah, yeah, security. Uh, you know, sort of what you can do to keep your own data safe. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to offer that in your classes and things like that. Yeah. Forward. I mean, people can always have this as a reference to ask a question without even just seeing they're on their own personal device or on one of our public computers that they you get the email and not sure about trying Right. So it's uh, that's what we're there for. Exactly. We're here to answer questions. They don't have to be about books. Right. Yeah. All sorts of questions. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, definitely. It's by design. Exactly. We're, we are equipped to deal with the mm -hmm. Um And, you know, if we're not, then we will call you. <laughs> we will call you wherever you are in the building. And hopefully you can answer it. But but in general, the reverend says, you know, we're, we're all equipped to tell you, yeah, that email looks like a scam. Right. You know, you probably don't want to click on that link. You mm -hmm. probably don't want to download that attachment. Or like, yeah, that message you got sounds like a scam. Sure. Yeah. Yep. You don't need to call them back. You know, your social right. <laughs> but, yeah, well, unless there were any other things that you wanted to cover, then I think we'll call it a, call it a podcast. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. All right. Well, then, that wraps up this episode of Memorial Hall Library's Show Help. You can listen on our website at mhl.org slash podcast, or listen, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And we hope that you'll join us next time. All right, Bye. Thanks.